Welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio, and you kids are in for a treat. All through December, that's all four shows, we'll be airing seasonally-themed short plays sent in by our listeners, followed by interviews with the playwrights themselves. This week, we have a double shot of dramatic distinction. Our first play is by Mary Steelsmith, and it's entitled Outsourcing Christmas. The characters are Gilbert and Myrna Hoops, both in their 60s and played by Arthur Bicknell and Rachel Hockett. Rounding out the cast are Jillian and Mark, 20-somethings, played by Marissa Biondolillo and Mike Davey. Gilbert and Myrna Hoops, a 60-something couple, dance around the room, happily putting final touches on the holiday decorations. Gilbert wears a Santa hat and beard. Myrna is dressed in her holiday best, lots of red and green and a holiday apron that would only see the light of day once a year. Each of them holds a big three-ring binder, which they consult occasionally. Gilbert hangs a garland. This good, honey? A little higher on the left, sweetheart. How's that? Yes, yes, that's nice. Perfect. Think the kids will like it? Myrna crosses to Gilbert, puts her arms around his waist, and gives him a little kiss. They'll love it. That is if they ever show up. <laughs> oh, don't you worry. They should be here any minute. I can't wait to see him. Oh, me neither, honey bun. Oh, speaking of buns... You want to squeeze mine? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a rain check. Time to look at the nut bread. A car approaches. Oh, honey, I think they're here. <gasps> oh, oh, hide. Start the music. Gilbert and Myrna run off stage. Enter Mark and Julian, bundled up in coats and scarves, carrying suitcases. Yeah? Well, next time, you rent your own damn car. Like I'm the one who made the plane late, Mark? They invented the word late for you, Jillian. Are you starting that up again? If you're starting that up again, I'll turn around and go right back to the airport. Cool. Go for it. Have a good walk. You would do that, wouldn't you? You'd let your own sister freeze. You would force me to walk 25 miles on Christmas Day. Some brother you are. Feed me, Jillian. You wish. Where are they? Mom? Dad? We're here? What's going on? Are they out? Well, what did they say when you called them from the airport? I thought you did it. I was busy driving around in circles looking for you. You were on the phone the whole time. Yeah, setting up a poker game with the guys. You think I'm going to stay in this house a minute longer than I have to? You're out of your mind. Oh, great. So neither one of us called them? They're probably freaked out by now. Maybe they started a search party. Dad and his smelly old Santa hat and mom with that stupid holiday apron running up and down the street. Relax. They're here. Wake up and smell the nut bread. Gilbert and Myrna pop into the room, dancing to the music. Ho, ho, ho! It's about time we were getting worried about you two. Who are you? Nut bread. You're not mom. Where's mom? Dad, what's going on here? Merry Christmas. That's not Dad's voice. Gilbert takes his beard off and scratches. Ah, it's getting a rash. Okay, I got it. We're being punished. Ha ha. Funny. I know we're late. You're right, we should have called. Sorry we didn't call. It's Jillian's fault. The hell it is. Kids, language. So we get it already. Ha ha. Mom! Dad, you can come out now. Oh, your parents aren't here. What have you done with them? If you hurt my mom, I will kick your ass. Don't think I won't. She pulls out her cell phone. I've got one of these and I know how to use it. Mark, what's the local number for 911? 911? Now, before you call anybody, here's a letter from your parents. Watch out! It might go off! Oh, for God's sake. And Myrna, that's private. For the kids. Gilbert, we're running out of time. And frankly, after 30 seconds with these two, I'm ready to hit the road. 
Here's what your parents wrote. Dear Mark and Jillian, season's greetings. Your father and I talked it over, and since you chose not to come home for Easter, Thanksgiving, or your father's 65th birthday, we decided to spend our Christmas holiday on a cruise to the Bahamas, where we'll bask in the warmth of people who are truly happy to see us. In our stead, we've hired Gilbert and Myrna Hoops from Xmas Incorporated to represent us during the holidays. While we love you and wish you the merriest of Christmases, we simply can't abide you two, Mom and Dad. Hired? Xmas Incorporated? Yes. Xmas. Extra Mommy and Santa. Xmas. Get it? I don't know what kind of con you're running here, but... Shut up, Jillian. Gilbert flips through his binder's pages. Now, here's everything you'll need. Your parents' travel itinerary, a photo of them on the beach, emailed yesterday. See, they've been snorkeling. Oh, look at those smiles. Nice folks, really. Ha! Faces photoshopped onto happy bodies, I suppose. And the guns at their heads are just out of frame. They weren't kidding about that one. Is she always like this? Well, she does watch reality TV. You kidnapped my mommy and daddy! No psychosis mentioned on the medical sheet. Must be something new. You want, I can fetch you a nice glass of water if you need to take your meds. That's none of your damn business. You talk that way to your mother. Now, as you can see, we're bonded. And here are the articles of incorporation. You're not my mother. Thank God for that. Hey! So, this is a business you're running here, substituting for people's parents. Yep, though technically we're more like sand-ins. Well, but people pay you to impersonate them. Well, we prefer the word represent. It's cleaner. Can't replicate the real thing now, can we? Not yet. Anyway, give us a few years, what with robotics and all. I mean, then we'll talk impersonation. We're investing some of our profits in research. Got to get in on the ground floor, that kind of thing. Or the robots, they'll replace you. And my parents did this. Our parents? And you, con artists, shysters? Hey, little girl, we didn't even want to take this job on. We are way too busy for any kind of hassle. They came to you? They begged us. Begged? Begged. On their knees. Pleaded. Paid us double. Bullshit. You kiss your mother's cheek with that mouth. Unbelievable. Okay. Time's up. Good. What's happening? Oh, we're done here. What? Done? What? And not a minute too soon. Oh, don't mind her. She's worn out. We've been booked solid since before Thanksgiving. We're overloaded as it is. First Hanukkah and then this. Myrna hands Gilbert his overcoat. Hanukkah? Oh, big holiday with the parents. Yeah, if I had to sing one more dreidel song. Oh, not for 11 more months, babe. You gotta understand, my wife here, she's exhausted. Our business is growing by leaps and bounds. Next year, since we're expanding to encompass Passover, Rosh Hashanah, Ramadan, and Kwanzaa, you can only imagine what they'll be like. We're basically covering any holiday involving parents and their adult children. After we explain ourselves, the kids realize they're not dealing with their real parents. They relax. They have a good time, usually. But we never take on anyone with children under the age of 20. Never the little ones. It's all new to them, all that. Joy. Their parents naturally want to be around small children, so it wouldn't be good business, anyway. And it's only when the kids get to be your age that they become turds. So basically, you're equal opportunity fakers. I've had enough of your sass, young man. You don't get any nut bread tonight. <laughs> that sounds chillingly familiar. And you, young lady, straighten up and march yourself up those stairs. Wash that gunk off your face or you'll break out. Do you hear me? I said, do you hear me? Yes. Yes what? Yes.
Mom. Watch your mouth or I'll wash it out. Here's your nut bread. Uncanny. Oh, come on, sweetheart. We have to pick up Kevin in 15 minutes. Who's Kevin? Oh, our grandson. 11 years old. Smart as a whip. You mean you're somebody's parents? And grandparents. And you left your grandkid alone at home so you could fake it here for money? Unbelievable. For your information, smarty pants, he's having a great old time at home right now with his other grandma and grandpa. And when we get there, we'll spoil him rotten. Kevin is so excited. He's old enough to read us the Christmas story this year. He's been holed up with his Bible for days getting ready. We wouldn't miss that for the world. Then what are you doing here? Well, we told him we were helping out a family less fortunate than our own. So you lie to your kid, too? Well, who says we're lying? The house key is on the table with our invoice. Presents are under the tree. Don't worry, they're all there. You can check them off the inventory list your dad signed. Okay, off we go. Ho, ho, ho. Have a happy holiday, if you can. No! You can't leave! Watch us. First, our real parents desert us, and now you? And M Mark, you're going off to play poker with your buddies. You're all going to leave me here alone. cheated cards. Gilbert and Myrna start to exit. Mark stops them. He consults privately with Jillian. Um, wait. Look, we were just wondering. Our parents' wedding anniversary is coming up in a couple of months. Yes. What do you charge to play somebody's kids? That was Outsourcing Christmas by playwright Mary Steele Smith. We caught up with Mary, and in part of a great conversation, we found out one of the more interesting reasons why somebody takes up playwriting. I'd have to say from junior high school, because okay. I, we, had, we, we, were reading, um, we were reading Anne Frank, The Diary of Anne Frank, in eighth grade. And, you know, we read the play, and then we had to write an essay about it afterwards, and I was just furious that the, the Nazis caught her. I said, no, that's not right. And the essay, I actually rewrote the ending. You know, oh. put her name in there, and, and then she said something, and then, you know, her boyfriend, Peter, Pierre says something, and so on. And when she finds a secret, secret room as the Nazis are marching up the stairs, and then the way she saves everybody. Because in my little eighth-grade self in sure, Boise, yeah. Idaho... Where nothing wrong happens, and that can't happen. <laughs> nothing wrong that's happens in Boise. I like that. That's right. Nothing wrong happens. Everything's okay there. But, you know, I, I was in, I was just infuriated by that thought that no, no, she's supposed to get away. That that. So you've been you've been doing drama ever since. I think yes, I have. I've acted, and 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 I've always write. I've always been a writer, no matter what. Underneath it was always with the writing. How many plays have you written? I can't remember. Several dozen, and several dozen. You know, there are some out there that haven't made it to the out to the world yet that I right. have to re rewrite. But there's always something coming out that I just absolutely honor, and I type as fast as I can so I can get the dictation down. Let's talk about outsourcing Christmas here. Um, Please tell me that there is somebody out there who actually does this for a living. 
There has to be somebody out there who will stand in for your parents on, on Christmas. Or well, I am living in, I do live in Los Angeles, so um, I guess that answers the question. <laughs> there if, has to be somebody. <laughs> if, if it's going to be anywhere, it's going to be in Los Angeles. It's going to be in L.A. And, you know, when I, the play came, the idea came to me so beautifully. I was, I think I was, I, I was at the Farmer's Market, which is on, on 3rd and Fairfax in, in Los Angeles. And it's all, you know, they do have all these, these, these old-fashioned, you know, fruit, fruit stands and things, and people walk around and they drink their coffee and they have a great time. And um, I, heard a, I heard this woman remark on how artificial the holiday season was becoming. And why do I even bother decorating or even cooking? And why don't I just pay somebody to do the whole thing for me so I can get it over with? Mm, yeah, and I've heard I, that sentiment that is, before, yeah. And that was the saddest thing I heard because she's <laughs> discouraged, you know, and, and it has, it's, no longer, it's, it's no longer a celebration, it's a chore. Yes. And yeah. it's obvious that there's some people that don't appreciate all the things that she has done or, or participate maybe in that little piece of joy that comes with it. So um, I figured, well, why not? <laughs> and you know, so I I created this this you know little company that that our characters. In, Have you thought you know, about in doing half. this in real life as a business? Um, I don't know that I could I I could be that evil. <laughs> <laughs> Gilbert and Myrna seem like I want to know more about them. They seem like they should be popping up in more of your work. Hint, hint. I. Oh, yes, thank you. You know, and I love them. I really love them for what they do. And poor Myrna, you know, her feet are tired. Mm-hmm. She the last thing she wants to do is make nut bread. It's just, you know, um, and, and of course, you have all these other, you know, Ramadan's coming. <laughs> You're going to have Kwanzaa. Now, she has no idea what to do with Kwanzaa, but everybody wants her for Kwanzaa now. You know, that's the exciting part about what we do, you know, because if you're doing, you know, you can do other work and that would be a lot more lucrative in, you know, with your skills. You do a film. or, or Pearl do a, diving in Nebraska write. would be more lucrative than playwriting. Uh, yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, yeah. uh, all the other things. And yet here's this one time that you can actually express what's right there inside and it comes out. And like I say, I don't, I don't particularly want to act in my place and I don't really want to direct my place. It's, because it's it's a lonely thing when you write your play, and you're gathering people around you, who are going to be part of that then and part of your world for at least a little while. Yeah, and yeah. and you kind of create a bit of a family in that sense too. Just want to remind everybody that you are listening to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host George Sapio, and this is WRFI 88.1 Ithaca. 91.9 Watkins Glen. And our second play of the evening is by Eric Yonke, and it's called If I Had a Hammer. Characters playing the father, Michael Donato. Playing the mother, Eliza Van Court, and playing the son, Lucian Mead Van Court. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Singing, please. But it's your day. It should be your day, Mother. You are the one who suffered in childbirth. What a son. All mothers should have such a son. What do you have for breakfast? An egg, a little unleavened bread. If you want something that's risen, you'll have to wait. I'll slaughter a chicken for you and you can eat the heart. That's the way every man should start the day on his birthday. No, thank you, Father. 
I don't think I'll be having chicken anymore. What? I'm going to be becoming a vegetarian. It's not enough to keep kosher. If you're a vegetarian, you wouldn't need to keep kosher. No meat, just dairy. Simpler. We live in a one-room house with a dirt floor. You want something simpler. I could use a little complexity in my life. A palace. A few hundred servants. I, I could settle their disputes like Solomon. You and your dreams. Our son is going to be a great man. And all you can think of is how to get some servants to stuff. I'm not here to be a great man, Mother. Oh, yes, you are. You'll see the day you were born. Please, not the story again. It's a great story. Then write it down and hand it out to people on Saturdays. Don't disrespect. Sorry, Father. He doesn't get enough credit for what happened that night. We were wandering around. No rooms. And finally, but only because of your father's persistence. Please, I know it by heart. The whole town knows it by heart. All right, here. What's this? What's this? Like he doesn't know. It's your present. I don't need a present. No, you don't need a present. It's a gift, understand? A gift. Don't disrespect. All right, all right. Say thank you. Thank you. Well, what do you think? It's very useful for someone else. Don't disrespect. How many times? I have no use for a hammer, Mother. Honestly. Son, look at me. We are carpenters. I am a carpenter. My father was a carpenter. His father was a carpenter. And his father was in the opium trade and met with an untimely death, God rest. But his brother was a carpenter and their father was a carpenter. It's your tradition. And this hammer has been passed down from generation to generation to the eldest son of the house. Now that you are a man... I am not a carpenter. I will never be. Of course not. It's only the family business for hundreds of years. Listen to him. So maybe he doesn't want that for himself. He has other ideas. He's not old enough to have other ideas. Of course he is. What do you want to be, sweetheart? I am a rabbi. You are a rabbi. Yes. You hear that? Not I will be a rabbi one day. After years and years and years of study like everybody else. I am a rabbi right now. That's confidence in himself. You should be proud. My son, the rabbi, who refused his own bar mitzvah because he had nothing to learn from the elders. It's true. They don't know anything. Do you know, I didn't work for three months after that. I was a laughing stock. Hey, Joseph, say hello to Rabbi Jay. <laughs> hey, by the way, we need some advice. We don't have enough water to cook if we use it for the mikvah. What do we do now? Stop! Hey, ask him if it's still spilling seed if she swallows. Enough! Stop torturing the boy. I forgive him, Mother. He doesn't understand. You forgive me? Oh, that's rich. Oh, I feel much better now that I'm forgiven. Stop! Please, stop! No, I will not stop! You ask him to say, don't disrespect, but there is nothing but disrespect. Disrespect to me, disrespect to his teachers, to the elders of the town, to our traditions. I answer to one authority only. Ha! Not on this earth you don't. Exactly. And one day, I promise you, you will pay dearly for that disrespect. You will cross the wrong man and then, and then, God knows what will happen. Please, please, please! All right, Rabbi, in spite of your refusal to be accountable for your own actions, the most important mitzvah of a son, you are now a man. And today, you are going to make a man's choice. Accept this gift and the tradition of generations upon generations, an honorable tradition, or 
will walk away alone, and I will give this to another son. Maybe he's just not ready. It doesn't have to be this birthday, does it? Judah's only ten, so he has a couple of years to decide, don't you, darling? I'm not going to change my mind. Well, that's how you feel today. Next year you might feel differently. Let's pretend this didn't happen and we can start the whole thing over. Good morning. Happy birthday. It's your day, sweetheart. So we could do anything. If you could do anything today, what would it be? We'll do it with you. Study Torah. What he does every day. Which is why I have to get Zeke's son to help me on the job. He knows how to swing a hammer. Fat. I'm going to work. Wait, why don't you take the day off? It's your son's birthday. Let's celebrate. By studying? Or then we'll go down to the temple and argue with the Pharisees. <laughs> Sounds delightful. I'd sooner be crucified. Joseph! Mary! That's a terrible thing to say. He's just trying to... To humiliate us. To put the last nail in our social coffin. To follow his conscience. Isn't that right, dear? To follow the will of my father. Am I missing something? Or am I not standing right here? In heaven. Ah... That father. And be sure to ask him where your next meal is coming from, because it's not coming from me. Fine. Fine. Have it your way, Mary. This morning never happened. I did not give this gift. But when you refuse a gift, it brings a curse on you. And here is the curse. On your birthday, no one will think of your heavenly father. They will think of nothing but gifts. No one will study Torah on that day, and they will tell the story of your birth over and over again. They will sing about it, and the children will reenact our wandering from inn to inn and dress up as sheep. How do you like that, Rabbi? I'm going to work. Well, that will never happen. Not in a thousand years. Not in two thousand. Yes, it will. He's always right. Not this time. Oh... I think the dough has risen. You want me to make some bread? Yes, please. Please. And that was If I Had a Hammer by Eric Yonke. Welcome to On Stage, Off Stage, Eric. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where did that Where did that come from? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me that. Um, I would say I... Um, uh, the. Um, Is this like too I many don't... holiday dinners with people or what? <laughs> No, I don't. I, I mean, there there aren't a lot of holiday themed uh, plays, as you know, that that are really um, that I would want to go to. You know, there's you know obviously things like a Christmas Carol that you see again and again. Um, yes, the perennial favorite. I definitely, you know, over the years have probably had um, kind of a preoccupation with the character of Jesus. My very first play actually is called Waiting for Lazarus. And in that um, in that play, the lead character Nathan, the protagonist, is uh, blessed with a lot of faith, and he's interested in in um, he's an undertaker, and he's trying to um, he's he's waiting for a miracle so that he can you know restore faith restore faith to the masses. Um, and then also again, it popped up um, in a work that I did called The Body Politic, and in that play, um, all the characters in the play are are different parts of different people's bodies. And one of the pieces um, is called the body of Christ. And it's, it's the hands and feet uh, and head of Christ as he's being crucified on the cross. And it's sort of a, a dark, the whole that piece in particular is kind of a dark comedy. And so there's something about that. I mean, you know, here's, here's somebody who, you know, uh, 
everybody says, okay, so this is, you know, this is the son of God. We're due. And he came down to, you know, save mankind for all of their sins. And the Scrooge Highlands was like, it launches this entire evangelical movement. And, you know, here we are 2,000 years later still trying to figure it out. And there's a part of me that just keeps coming back to that and wants to figure that out. And I don't know. So that was really the only thing, <laughs> the only thing I could think of on a holiday theme. Like, what would it be like for Jesus on his birthday? Um, and you know, since, uh, you know, and and fathers want their sons to uh, you know go into the family business, and exactly. he definitely well, yeah. was not going to do that. Well, I, <laughs> so that that's where that came from, as far as I can tell. Well, I, I grew up Catholic, and I went to twelve years of Catholic school, and you know, early grammar school, they 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 feed you the stories of Jesus and. Even way back when, I kept thinking, he had to be the strangest kid on the block. <laughs> there's no question yeah. Exactly. You know, somebody's thirsty, and all of a sudden, hey, there's water. Where'd that come from? Oh, it's Jesus again, you know. I was looking at your resume, just to change subject here for a minute, and I didn't realize you'd written all these musicals. God's Country, which was uh, just put up at the New York Musical Festival in July 2013. Uh, the Short Prince, back in 2009. Uh, Cat, a one-act musical for children. What's your musical yeah. background? Well, I don't write the music. I write the book and the lyrics. Okay. Um, but, you know, I had done... In high school, I had done a lot of singing um, and uh, had done, you know, acapella stuff and early in college before before every college had an acapella group, <laughs> which is the case these days. Most, so most of my personal music background has been uh, singing. And then... Um, had been in some shows, some of the musicals, both in, in high school and in college. And then when I started, what, as a teacher, I had been a theater director for about 10 years in Pennsylvania. And so I had started, and I remember actually at the beginning of that time thinking, why, do we have to do a musical every year? My God. <laughs> mm -hmm. 